Happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. How does this fine Saturday afternoon find you? Um, it's good. I'm glad it's March. It's almost spring. I feel like we've, uh, I don't know about you, but we've kind of felt like we finally turned the corner past winter. I agree. We've we've turned the corner. We, although I mentioned before the show, we it was literally freezing this week, which is bizarre. But I feel like we've turned the corner on winter and turned the corner on COVID nineteen pandemic. Yes, I know you got your second shot. I just got my first shot on Monday, so uh, congratulations! More, thank you. A few more weeks, and I'll get that number two. Yeah, mine was just a placebo. I, it's just for, <laughs> yeah, it's just for morale. I'm really very, very vulnerable. No, um, um, congratulations. That's huge. I was, I wanted to ask you, are you. You're familiar with the movie Dances with Wolves. I am not. What? I know. I know. And somebody what? just, somebody else asked what? me about that uh, earlier this week too, and I'm like, no. I think they were up there doing locations or something, but. So you've seen Baby Geniuses, but you've not seen Dances with Wolves. <laughs> You know, I think I may have seen Dances with the Old Wolves or fell asleep during Dances with Wolves, but nothing beats Baby Geniuses it or doesn't. Baby Geniuses too. Well, you're in luck because <laughs> Dances with Wolves is on Netflix now, and you have oh. the time to watch it. I'm sure. All right, you know, that could be it's my. Great, it's a great movie. Um, that could be my go to sleep movie. It's an epic. I was going to bring up a scene in there, but since you haven't seen it, I'll save it for another time. All right, but there's I'll do- a. Do you know who Maurice Chaikin is? He was an, he was a character actor. He died ten years ago, but he was he was in a lot of lot of stuff. He was in uh, Entourage as the, like the Harvey Weinstein character. He was oh, in Dances okay. with Wolves. Yep. Um, he's he was in War Games actually. He he was in like at, at least a hundred movies, but he has this amazing character in Dances with Wolves in the beginning. As um, the reason I brought it up, I just read an article on it. Without giving it anything away, really, he was a a major that sent Kevin Costner to the frontier, but he was crazy. He had either syphilis or and, and alcoholism, and he just he kind of lost his mind in Dances with Wolves. And they were talking about in this article why that was because they never said so in the movie. And as a kid, because I watched this movie a lot as a, as a kid, you, you don't really know what the deal is. It, it's just kind of scary. You're like, why is he acting yeah. this way? So they talked about like all this undiagnosed mental disorders back in, you know, like the 1800s. And people just thought even up until, you know, a few decades ago, uh, well, they're just crazy. Just just lock them away. And uh, it it was really sad to read this. I think it was Hollywood Reporter. I have to look. But they were talking about like um, royal family had, you know, cousins that were mentally, Mm -hmm. you know, mentally... um, developmentally disabled so rather than like learn about it and live with it they kind of just like lock these people away like out of out of sight out of mind oh yeah it was really sad i know even celebrities uh that had children they end up putting them in school permanently and seeing them twice a year or so it is sad breaks my heart i'm glad that we kicked off the show though on a very positive light yeah way to go So what what have you been doing lately? We haven't done a show last week, and I know our fans are itching. What's new with the set jetter? Uh, I do. Well, today I'm working on a deadline. Of course, it's the anniversary day for It Follows, a horror film from I'm not sure what year, a while ago. Cool. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I'm doing it, and I realized I had been. It's a 2014 film, and I went to the locations in 2015, so it's almost six years. And so I haven't looked at these pictures, and so I'm like, "What is this again? Whose house is that?" <laughs> but that's uh, exciting, though, right? Yeah. Because you're seeing stuff you haven't really worked on in a while. Yeah, it's like and, rediscovering it. And it is one of those films I did not like it the first time. I don't know how you felt about it, but uh, it was a little too. Soundtrack was a little too on the spot for me, and I just didn't quite get it, but it kind of grew on me. I liked it. Oh, it follows. Uh, yeah, I do vaguely remember seeing yeah. that. Maybe we're I, do, I, I remember more other, vividly. Yeah. What's that? Maybe we're, we're giving each other homework for the week. <laughs> I think we need to do that. Uh, I remember more vividly H2O, which I just rewatched oh. this week. It's on uh, you know, HBO or something, and... Uh, Really good. Really still holds up. I really enjoyed that movie. A lot of people still prefer H2O to H4O, for lack of, lack of a better word, the 2018 sequel. Um, they thought they did Laurie Strode's character a little bit better. Um, that, in that In H2O, Laurie had moved on, had some issues, of course. But uh, in H4O, they kind of felt like... <laughs> She's been thinking about this every day for 40 years. Now, granted, trauma, that happens. But <laughs> realistically, uh, you know, Laurie Strode would have, it would still been with her, but she kind of should, should have moved on with her life a little bit more. I'm on board with that assessment. I prefer H2O and the Laurie Strode dynamic of where she was in each film. I prefer that over the 2018 one. Now, 2018 had, one was cool. Yeah, but She did have Laurie Strode hair in 2018, so that... She did. That automatically adds two more stars for me automatically. Yeah, I do like the Laurie Strode hair. I do like in H2O, and um, I, I, I saw this in the theater when it came out, but I wasn't, I was in high school, and I, I don't, I, I haven't seen all the Halloween movies except for like the first two at that point, I think, and I wasn't like as familiar with it as I am today, so it was cool to like revisit that and see in the beginning of the film when they do like the flashbacks and the newspaper clippings where they show like the history and you know I thought that was like a I thought that was kind of ahead of its time for the for the 90s to do yeah. something cool like that. And you know I have several items from the that room. <laughs> yeah, what do you have from that room? I was thinking about um, you when I was I have watching like, that. I have about 8 to 10 photos I think and a couple of other things that he had pinned up to the board, some of the maps and uh, I can't remember what else but but yeah, so yeah. a few of them I got right not too soon after the movie came out. Uh, they would auction off stuff, and then um, uh, some screen bid kind of opened it up uh, last year or the year before, and so I bought everything I could. It's so cool that you have that. It's a great film. I mean, for late 90s horror movies to throw the Halloween franchise in there and do it the way they did, I felt like they did a good job, and I do love how Ella Cool J plays the same character whenever he's a supporting <laughs> role. Like in Deep Blue Sea, he's always like, the smooth, he's LL Cool J basically as like a cook or a security guard. You know, somebody posted a few weeks ago, a friend of he's mine said, so LL, LL Cool J, you know, uh, first time for a black man to survive a horror movie, uh, Deep Blue Sea, 1999. I'm like, uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh. He survived H2O. Yeah. In the reshoots, but still. <laughs> yeah, he did. What was the uh, the deal? Um, what I was think the deal was... with Resurrection? Whew. Why? Why did? Why was? Who greenlit that movie? Was they trying to capitalize on the found footage scene at the time? I think so, and it was right. 
Now, now, Rick Rosenthal, he did a great job with Halloween 2, so it kind of seemed like, oh, a natural that he would come back. And um, and I remember... Uh, well, Steve remember, Miner did H2O, right? Correct. And so yeah. he did, like, Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3, and he worked with Jamie Lee before. Um, and, well, speaking of H2O, um, a, f- a couple months ago, Sean Clark contacted me because, like, how much did you spend when you went to the Paramore Estate? So when I stayed there for the Hillcrest Academy... I said, oh, I think it was like 500 a night. It was a little pricey, and you had to do two nights, but it was worth every penny. He's like, it's a lot more now. So for the, the cabin that I stay in, Carrie Tate's Cottage, uh, for two nights, it's $3,800. For two nights? Yeah. That's, so, that's, like a, that's like a week-long trip to the Bahamas. $1,900 a night. Um, and Who's you get spending nothing. this money? I don't know. I'm like, are they trying to not have people stay there? I don't know. So I guess I'm not revisiting uh, at. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they charge that much? It is ridiculous. And they're charging. Um, so they had three cottages, but they're also charging rooms in the the mansion as well. Um, so like uh, the I think the cheapest room is like two thousand dollars a night or two thousand uh, dollars for two nights. So a thousand dollars a night. And I'm like, I just don't think. <laughs> I wouldn't even spend that much money to stay at the White House for a night. Yeah, I was like, I've never. And so I, so now I'm like, oh, that 500 a night that I paid a few years ago, that was cheap. <laughs> I bet they're trying to capitalize on like weddings. Like we want our dream wedding here. Well, we're going to pay anything because that's the yeah. only way I could see somebody staying there. Like, well, you know, little Nancy needs her wedding. <laughs> you can rent and it, rent it for an event and you can rent it for filming. You can. Uh, yeah, um, at higher price. But yeah. yeah, it was kind of like, I think they kind of, I don't we'll, we'll see if it goes back down and I can do a re- revisit. But I'm glad I got there while it I'm did. glad you got there too. But Good yeah, Resurrection. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> in an interview telling Rick Rosenthal that she was running too slow. He was trying to have her run slow through the hallway. <laughs> and I remember Why? you see that scene. And yeah, she's kind of barely going along and then she turns around and looks i'm like she wouldn't do that she's she, she jamie lee knew this was not her character and and then we have that unglorious death of slow motion and the weird <laughs> cgi leaves and it's like uh and then Wasn't buster rhymes in that yeah so there was an all-star cast it uh was it namely campbell uh yeah yes. naomi campbell was in it mm-hmm. yes I remember, yeah, I I remember watching that in the theater with my friend Chris, and none of us wanted to tell the other that it sucked at the end because we didn't. We at that period of my life, my friends and I were all like, "What did you think? It was okay. What do you, you know?" Because we didn't want to like offend the person. So I remember after that, Chris was like, "What do you think?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, there's some some good stuff," and he's like, "Well, I mean, yeah, like there was some," and he just looked at me and went, "It sucked. I I hated it. It sucked." And I was like, "It did. It was a really bad movie." (laughs) I want to watch it again though. I always say it's a movie. It's a movie. If I have nothing good to say, the only good thing I do remember for some reason they carded me uh, at that screening, and they didn't card my friend who was younger than me, and I was like. Be, to be seventeen, yeah. I don't. Why well, I don't know why else they would card me. <laughs> why would they see? I don't understand why movie theaters enforce it. Unless you're, you have a bunch of ten year olds and you're walking into yeah. Saw Five. I mean, well, come here's on. The thing. Like I you're was, not a cop. I was thirty one or something. So it was maybe so I was still acting, got your boyish looks, and that's I a was blessing. probably acting really immature. I don't know. <laughs> 
I, I remember going to see The um, Exorcist when it was re-released in theaters. The version like, you've never seen. The version you've never seen. It was like 2000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was 18. My girlfriend was 17. And they carded us. And they carded her. And they're like, you can't come in here. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. I was 17. She was 16. And gotcha. she's like, you're not 17. I was like, but I'm her guardian. And <laughs> they were like, well, you, it has to be 17. And I was like, it's not NR 17. It's just rated R. So, like, I just want to get in. That, like, yeah. this person was just being a bitch. So they were like, well, you, she can't do it. You have to be 17. I was like, this movie's been out for 20 years. I could go rent this at Blockbuster across the street right now and watch it. Like, do you not want, do you want to lose money? They wouldn't let me in the theater. Uh, I was like, okay, movie Nazi. <laughs> like, what is your deal? You should encourage people to see the arts. It's a classic. Yeah. And you get, if you're on that, that precipice, I'm like, what, who, does it matter close enough? And who, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I could see if it's a 10 year old, like you, sir, you, you can't do this, but yeah. I, I think, uh, by the way, you're listening to Set Jetter Saturdays with Robert Patterson, the blogger and author of the website set-jetter.com and available at set underscore jetter on Instagram. And I love your Instagrams, by the way, how you do the, the side panels of, of setjetter.com. Sometimes I have to do that because if it's a older movie or a TV or whatever, um, if it's too high rectangular, it won't all fit on Instagram. So I have to kind of do those weird... Oh, um, is that the is that why you bookends? Do that? Yeah, so like, so Baby Geniuses, I think had some of that, and some of my oh my TV movies of late, like uh, uh, Betty Broderick, uh, a woman scorned. I saw <laughs> Betty that. Broderick, her final fury. Final fury. I love Meredith Baxter TV movies. We talk about Meredith Baxter a lot here in this house. I don't know why, <laughs> but it comes up a lot. Kate um, the- Secret is one of my favorites. <laughs> oh. We talked about Baby Geniuses a few weeks ago. Why was that? I don't know how it came up. I know we're talking about Baby Geniuses too. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure why it came. Up. And like, yeah, the anniversary, and so I of course had to post it and and remind my friend that went to Baby Geniuses too with me with the Baby Geniuses doll that of the good times that we had way back do when. Do you still have the doll? No, I don't think he does. I it was his. I gave it was a present to him, and I. Oh. He actually had it, at, still had it at the time. He probably does, no longer does, but. Baby geniuses. That's Kim Cattrall's finest role, correct? <laughs> it's everybody's finest role, but um, but yeah. So if you look at those, the Instagram, there's a few shots of, uh, there's a lot of uh, Halloween crossover in, in Pasadena, South Pasadena, the same streets. That's what, I think that's what we were talking yeah. about. We were doing something like that. What have you been watching lately? Is there anything new on the docket? You you watched Clarice. I, I sadly have not watched that yet. I, I did watch part of two. I turned it off. I'm really sorry. I, I, I couldn't. I have to like reset my clock and then do that. It's the weekend to reset your clock. So perfect. It is. We're, we're, we go an hour ahead tonight, right? Skip ahead. So you lose an hour just like Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> just like Clarice. You lose a whole hour. You'll never get back. You know, now I keep watching it just to see. I'm like, what? And like, literally, my night one, you know, when it premiered, came true that Ardelia is going to kind of solve the case every time, or or she's the one that's like, you know what? And she pulls out. Here's, you know, uh, so yeah. So she, it's really all about her and how she uh, and how Clarice really should not be an FBI agent at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. she's, she's is, not qualified. 
she is not. She's triggered by the easiest of little things and stuff like that. She obviously still has her 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 daddy issues, and and she still has Buffalo Bill issues for her ten minutes uh, in that house. Uh, that she like Lori. I guess it's only a couple years later, but. She's doing a Laurie Strode 2018 where she's going to live with, think about this every minute of the Every day. minute. I do love Laurie Strode's badass house, though, the 2018 one. Uh, yes. All those booby traps. Yes. And I feel and like, like the, they, there's even more. I, well, I, I remember the trailer had a couple more shots and there's different things that you saw uh, in her house. But uh you yeah. were there, right? Isn't that in like South yeah. Carolina or something? Um, yeah. So I've only been to the outside of the house. Some people have gotten to the inside that the owners, uh, they have caught them and or it's open and, and they kind of let them through. But um, yeah, I was one of the, the first ones. It's private property and there's all those signs and I'm not quite sure about the South. So um, I just kind of drove in uh, and then took some pictures and then drove out. So you can't, uh, you have it's to It's a really- great shot drive in from uh it's private property but you can't see it from the street the front of it i wonder how the the film you know the set location community would feel if i posted set locations of me but i was clearly like breaking and entering like i was in handcuffs and one and there's another one where families like have a gun armed at me like pointed at me to get out of the house and i'm like here i am at the breakfast club house you know it's it's probably happened were you (laughs) you're you're very responsible though um i tried that was the one place i'm like well i can't this is the the pinnacle of, you know, I can't do every Halloween 2018 location except for this one. So I just, I had to do it. You and look, the, it. the gate was open that day. So, And you're a completist, so you mission accomplished. Yep. The gate was open? It's a gated road? Yeah. So it's private property, and so there's a gate. And so I, that day I went, it happened to be open, so I just drove in. You, you have to kind of drive around and kind of go around. So I knew from aerial maps kind of where the house was. So. Oh, it's, it's interesting a... to see those pictures, and then a lot of times you'll include the Google Map link on the website, and I'll look at it, and it's like, oh, you look kind of hard to find in a lot of cases, like a little tricky. Like you had to like sleuth around a little bit. Yeah, this one somebody had to help me. I can't remember. They they I can't remember if they wouldn't tell me exactly where it was. I think they kind of gave me a street, and then I had a little bit of clue because Jamie Lee Curtis talked about a street. Um, I'm not gonna remember it now, but. Uh, it was kind of a strange, strange name, and this is actually just a mile up that street. So, so where That's she shot cool. the outside of the prison shot, where she's reacting, um, was kind of shot on that street, just about a mile down, and then the actual prison was a completely different place. Yeah, I remember we talked about that, which is pretty cool. You're a big Jamie Lee Curtis fan, right? Yeah, for the most part, I've seen most of her movies. Or did you see her at the 2018 Comic Con? No. Well, I only she went did this, to one Comic Con. She did this thing. You only went to one. Yeah, that was 2008, and that that was probably enough. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. But there was a. I, I wasn't there, but there was this, there was this clip, and it went viral, and it was really cool. And she's doing, you know, a Q and A with the cast and everything, how they do that on stage. And um, by the way, I still don't know what the rules are for Comic Con because it's kind of like if you're famous, you can go there because it's not really a comic book movie. Neither is like uh mission impossible or they kind of just throw you in there you know like yeah. cobra kai's there they're not not really comics if you have something to promote you're there you're there but she was given the q a and there was this guy that was that stood up and he was like i just want to thank you um for doing halloween because i was actually attacked 
by a crazy man with a knife. And I thought, what would Laurie Strode do? And I ended up running. And I'm a survivor today. And he started crying. And she got up and she was like, come here, get him up here. And she got off the stage and she gave him a big hug. And it was really cool to see that because the guy was like hysterical, as you would be, you know, Um, recalling that publicly. And he said, the only reason I'm here is because of you and um, really touching. And I I really want to like her a lot. I really want to believe she's like the real deal. I would hope so. I think she is. I did meet her quickly. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. yeah, right before the pandemic, I was at my, as a doctor's appointment in Beverly Hills, and she was just walking like right past me, and I was just, I didn't have anything to say, and I was kind of late, so I was just like, "Hey, it's right. Lori Strode." <laughs> She's like, oh, thank you. She looked really good. Her skin looked flawless, by yeah. the way. So she takes. Well, I noticed care of her Instagram. Yeah, she looks pretty good. Her, like you said, skin. Maybe because I'm getting older too. I'm keep looking at. You still look skin. good, Robert. You still get carded. That was many years ago. That was a a fluke. I think, yeah, I was just acting like a jackass or something. I'm like, who's this guy? (laughs) Los Angeles. So in Omaha, you you can go to the movies now, right? Nah, I don't think so. I don't know. Alamo's not open, so I'm not going to the movies. Oh, okay. Because Monday here in Los Angeles, they're opening up movie theaters again. Because I guess we want to start another surge for the virus. Because it's probably not safe to do any of that, but it's, but they're doing that. It's and 2020. What's, the sequel. <laughs> what's playing now? Like, who do they open these movies? There's no movies theatrically released now, right? There's a couple I've seen, and it was interesting. During Sundance, uh, we saw uh, Land, and it said it was being released like February 18th. Or, I was like, well, who's going to see that? Like, what? <laughs> where? From, I mean, just from a marketing standpoint, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's bad timing. Yeah, I don't know, and I guess HBO is kind of doing um, for movies that are open, movie theaters that are open, some uh, day and date release streaming plus um, in the theaters. But yeah, I don't know, and I just I don't. It felt like the movie theaters were uh, had a pretty thin margin of sustainability, and I don't even know how they're going to do it with if they're limiting audiences. And of course. Yeah, it's it's not a free for all. It's like twenty five percent capacity, so, which I don't know how that works either. I guess you'd have to buy them online or something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so I'll. I don't know. I'll one. I'll. I feel better that more people are getting vaccinated, and I think this is kind of the step that it'll make me feel a little bit better. Even though, of course, I'll continue to mask up and and socially yeah. distance. But uh, the more people that are vaccinated, just it makes it every all these type of things a little bit easier to open the doors again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to play it safe too. Like I, I look at the daily vaccination numbers and you know, worldwide we're still like 0.08%. The United States, it's like zero point something percent. Mm-hmm. So once we get in a majority, then I'll start like really relaxing and feeling better. But until then, you know, there's still a threat there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, um, the question Robert that the world has tonight is, the do they still hold up? We put together another list tonight, and we're going to get into that. These are the uh, fabled lists uh, of the highest grossing highest grossing films of the year. Today's year is 1985. This is via Box Office Mojo, and how this game works, listeners, is uh, the set jetter and I will run through the top uh, highest grossing films of the year, and also some honorable top 30 mentions, and ask and answer: Do they still hold up? I feel like. You and I, Robert, are pretty par and par with what, with our like 
opinions of movies. Yeah, and now that we're kind of hitting this halfway point, I think this I think this where eighties begin to change. They're like, oh, the the golden era is a little bit over. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah, a little bit. I think eighty eighty one eighty four was like amazing. I do like that you've seen that movie Teachers that I've I we talked about last was it last week we talked about or the week so. before Teachers yeah. was it yeah. Laura Nick Dern Nol- was in that Laura Dern Nick Nolte Ralph Macchio uh, Crispin Glover's in that so I need to rewatch it. I brought the Blu-ray uh, for my sister for Christmas so I need to rewatch that when I have a chance oh cool because I put on, that down on my list yeah. to watch because it, it, I, I I have seen that I believe once but it's I think I was like a kid or something it's one of those bad school things and now I'll probably like seem like oh this is a dream school <laughs> Oh yeah, the bad school. I love '80s bad guys and bullies, where it's like just a leather jacket. It's like, you know, you're dead meat, slime bag. It's like, it sounds. He sounds like an okay guy to me. Class of '84, which I think came out in '82, was one of those ultimate bad school movies, and and it's some of those '80s movies. It, it they are much more brutal than we are now. Um, and I can't remember if a kid. Yeah, I think they hike up a kid on the flagpole and drop him, and it's just like that's just dangerous, brutal stuff. And I, I was thinking about uh, there was the anniversary for Charles Bronson's uh, Death Wish two. That's like a brutal movie. They don't, we is. don't make them that violent anymore. I don't think that sets a bar for violence in movies. I mean, just what he does to those guys, yeah. it's like uh, wow, don't mess around. The greatest revenge in, of against high school boys is Carrie. You know, oh, yes. where you watch that and you're, you're always rooting for her secretly, <laughs> but you always just say out loud like, wow, she really got them. Good for her. Good for you, Carrie. There's a couple movies, Carrie in particular, that I get one. It's a great movie and I just get so wrapped into it, up into it. And I always kind of like, oh, it's the prom. You know, like for some reason, I I obviously don't quite believe that she's going to everything's going to be OK, but uh it's just one of those movies I get so lost in that I kind of it's like, oh no, it's the prom, everything's ruined. It's a, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's yeah. so rewatchable anytime. His other movies, Stephen King, pretty rewatchable. Other ones in that, not so, not so much. Yeah. He's, he's, made, he's. There's been a lot of misses in the adaptations of his films. Stand by Me is an exception. Yes, that's a great uh, movie. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of his. Uh, after the 80s, more of his non-horror uh, works made better films. The Shawshank Redemption and... Absolutely. Like said, Green State Mile. Mm-hmm. Green Mile's a great film. It was a little... The book was a little darker, too. They they, they made it more because Tom Hanks was in it. I think they made it more of like... I mean, it's still a dark film, but they made it more of like an adventure. It's Forrest Gump, you know, a magical prison kind of thing. <laughs> Where in the and book, it was a little more grim. Yeah, Tom Hanks in anything. So, like, Stranded at the Beach, it's okay. It's Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. Splash. Trapped at the airport, it's okay. It's It's Tom Hanks. Did I tell you I rewatched Splash after we spoke of it? We did. We did talk about that. So, I need to to watch that. How did it uh, hold up for you? Very well. I was John Candy. Yeah. Yeah, very well. It was a good film. The only laughable part was them covering up her butt with the hair. Because it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you also just cut that shot out. It's just so ridiculous. Or do the uh, TV zoom in they used to do? Like, <laughs> I'd be like, "What? <laughs> What's going on?" You just see half of his face. You know. I did that. Yeah, I saw that recently with uh, 
I watched one of the Friday the Thirteenth. I think it was five. Oh, There's a lot of five does that. Yeah, they just cut right in. You're like, like when the girls gets her eyes gouged out in the forest, and they just literally just you're like, it's a little blurry. What is that? Yeah, but yeah, it really held up. And uh, like you mentioned on the show, the effects are really good. How they show her legs transforming into the mermaid tail because yeah. they use like a vacuum to like have the playtex like hug her skin <laughs> at the right time. Like for 1984 or whatever it was, it was it was a cool cool shot. Yeah. I just don't know how. Uh, uh, what's the character's name? The the bad guy, the guy that's an American Pie, and Schitt's Creek. Um, Gene Levy, Eugene Levy. Eugene Levy. Yep. Eugene Levy. How does he find uh, her in the city? It's New York's kind of a big place, and he's just kind of walking around like there she is. Well, Daryl Hannah does stick out, so she does. She has that great long hair too. It's 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 tremendous. It's really fantastic. <laughs> Crimpers down underneath the sea. We didn't realize they had them. <laughs> oh, one thing about Splash, though, that I did take issue with. It was a small thing. But do you remember he goes back, he leaves New York in the cab to go to Cape Cod that night? Yes. Early in the movie, he, he leaves the bar and he goes to Cape Cod and he takes the boat out and he almost drowns. And then Daryl Hannah saves him. They end up on the beach. When they're on the beach, the water is crystal clear. <laughs> And I'm like, that's not Massachusetts. So I just, I Googled it. And it was, of course, you know, something K, Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I, I was like, I have to read this because there's no way they just put that in as Cape Cod and no explanation. And they did. And I'm like, really, guys? Really? We would uh, spend some summers at the Jersey Shore or Seaside Heights. And now I look back, I, I, you see the pictures. I'm like, the water's just green. Like what, it's just green. I've been swimming around in, in that. <laughs> I know Seaside Heights. I think that's where they filmed the show Jersey Shore. They did before, yeah. Is that a nice place? I I've never been there. Um, it was. I I haven't been there obviously since I was a kid. So I just remember, and I think actually the boardwalk, and I think a lot of that got destroyed during one of the the hurricanes. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we used to I think rent a house for a few days or a week down there, and always had a good time. All the that's cool. family all comes in, and uh, that's the way to do it. Yeah, that was what we did growing up. It was the Jersey Shore. Never, the family comes down. You get like a big house, and everyone just kind of goes to the boardwalk. Taffy. Yep, love the saltwater taffy. I'm all about it. Um, do you want to jump into this? Do they still hold up, Robert? Yeah. Yep. And it looks like some we've probably over discussed already, but we'll go through it. All right. Uh, let's start with the highest grossing film of 1985, and that is Back to the Future. Your thoughts, Mr. Jetter of Sets. And we have discussed this before, so it still holds up, and it holds up better in a, uh, a theater screening I talked about for the anniversary screening at the Hollywood Bowl. I forgot how funny it was, and how, like we you said before, it's a tight movie, there's just no fat, and the the jokes are set up uh, to pay off two or three times. You know, uh, they kind of hit back uh, on different things. So, uh, so yes, it does still hold up for me. Agree, a hundred percent. It's one of those movies you can rewatch over and over again, and somehow it still becomes enjoyable, more enjoyable each time. You're you're always learning new things every like ten times you watch it. It's just a cool, timeless classic. Number two was Rambo, First Blood Part 2. What is this? Is this the one where he's back? he goes back to Vietnam? 
I think so. Um, I get confused because yeah, they made this, and the next one was called Rambo Three, which doesn't even make sense. It should be no. Rambo Two or Rambo First Blood Part Three, or however they. Yeah, they that's so, it, so true. And this and is, Rambo thir- Three, he basically teams up with what is today Al Qaeda. I like, think you're right. <laughs> no, but like for real, the Mujahideen or whatever, they they yeah. became like Al Qaeda, and for some reason they were our allies in the 80s because they were fighting the Soviet Union. But no, no. He was basically friends with Osama bin Laden in that movie. Yeah. So, no, this this is starting to get to the, the mumbling area of Stallone um, where <laughs> I didn't really understand a word he says. But <laughs> this is what made... <laughs> but this is the one that made him Rambo Rambo. And everything... It, this is kind of the franchise... It's interesting that sometimes these first movies aren't kind of the franchise starter, but the sequels are the ones that really get it going. They kick it in a high gear. Um, I don't remember this that well. I'm going to say, if you like Rambo, it, it's go stick with the first one. Because Rambo, because First Blood is a great movie in its own. It's a Vietnam vet with mental issues. It's It's not Stallone, like, you know, with his wax stuff that's just like, let's get him. You know, yeah. he's basically like a loner that's trying to survive. So that's a good movie. But Rambo 2, I, I remember really not liking it. Yeah, this is it starts going over the top, but not for my liking. Or not the movie over the top. <laughs> Speaking of. And our next movie is also a Syl- Sylvester Stallone. The next movie is Rocky 4. This movie, hands down, unequivocally holds up. This is the Dolph Lundgren run, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I guess without this, we wouldn't have Creed and Creed 2. So. Yes, he, was... does. <laughs> he does. He um, does. If that holds up for you, more well, power to you. I'm biased. I love yeah. Rocky. I would say Rocky, except for five, they all hold up. And I'll still watch that. I'm a Philadelphia man. We're raised to love Rocky. Gotcha. Is yes. this what? Which is what's the robot one? Is that three or is that four? Oh, that's four. Is that four? That's the yeah. <laughs> it's crazy four. It's really bad, and they don't actually use the Rocky theme song in this movie, which is terrible. They use an '80s soundtrack. Hmm. Did they lose they the use, rights, or what's that? They lose the rights, or no? They just went, just went in a different direction. Make it yeah. Different. It's weird. I mean, they use a little bit of the soundtrack, but they they replace it with like classic 1985, 80s like workout tracks. Gotcha. But well, Dolph looked great in it, and I think obviously working out in the snow, mixing it up, switching it up, it worked up. Yep. I'm I'm glad they did change the location though. You can only do so many like fights in Philadelphia where he's running around. It's cool that they like switched it up. Uh, next on the list, the, the fourth highest grossing film of 1985 is Ron Howard's Cocoon. I haven't seen this in a long while, so I feel like I need to revisit. But I, 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 I'm getting older, so I was, I was like, well, how old was Wilford Brimley when he made Cocoon? And I'm the same age <laughs> yeah. that, that he was when he made Cocoon. I Actually, I might be a year older. He was one of those guys that I, I was just talking to my buddy about this because Cocoon is his favorite movie of all time, ironically. And I, I rewatched it and we were talking about how he one of those actors that looks so much older than he was. Like we always thought Wilford Brimley was like in his 60s or 70s for like 30 years because he just died recently. Yeah. Did he? 
Yeah, he just died like in the last year or two. Gotcha. But um, oh, he did last the, year. The, yeah. the effects always leave something to be desired with old films like this, but I think it still holds up because it's a it's a classic, like feel good, you know, coming home yeah. kind of story. And I do, I want to revisit because it had, obviously it had a lot of good actors. Um, so obviously the kind of elderly crowd of uh, Hume Cronin and Maureen Stapleton, Jessica Tandy, but also had. Uh, Steve Gutenberg and some others. So I need to, and I think is it Courtney Cox. I think she showed up in the sequel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and interesting fact, Steve Gutenberg actually auditioned for the role Tom Hanks played in splash. And uh, Ron Howard said, you know, I'm going to give this to Tom Hanks, but I'm going to have something else for you soon. Uh, and then he did have cast him in cocoon, which I always like when they do that because it was like, um, they do that with a lot of, uh, a lot of films, you know, they're like, uh, well, we don't have this in mind, but let's, I'll get this in soon. Like, I think um, the kid that was in Hook auditioned for Home Alone or something like that, and they they said, we'll get you in something else, and, um, you know, like, you know, the, the kid in Jurassic in, Park. They got him in Hook. Yeah, the kid in Joseph Mazzello in Jurassic Park yeah. auditioned for something else, and then... Spielberg's like, I'll get you in something later. You know, like it's it's cool how they kind of like revisit. If you, it gives you hope. If you have like a bad audition, or you don't make something, but you had a good audition, it's yeah. like yeah, keep keep trying. Um, so I say Cocoon still holds up. Uh, Witness number uh, five on the list. Another one I'm a little biased to from Pennsylvania. I love Thirtieth mm-hmm. Street Station, Amish country. But um, I did watch this recently, and um. It, it does still hold up for me. I, I would still recommend people to view Witness. And Harrison Ford was, I think he was, obviously he was a, he was a big star by then, so he kind of carried the film. And then, um, and I can't remember what's her name from Top Gun that plays the Kelly Amish McGillis. Role. Kelly McGillis. So I think this is probably one of her last good roles. I haven't, I don't remember seeing her much besides uh, after Top Gun. And I guess she, this is before Top Gun. Well, that's because she doesn't look anything like she did in 1985. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I'm, but that's okay. If you, just, if you just want to Google Kelly McGillis, you tell me what you think. Because she she wasn't recast in Top Gun Maverick. I can tell you that. Uh, well, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Not everybody can have Wilford Brimley's jeans. So, <laughs> I love the line in Cocoon where he's just like, "They're not going to have baseball games. They're not going to have hot dogs, and I'm going to miss it." Where are you going, Grandpa? Outer space, my lad. <laughs> what? Um, witness still holds up. Robert, do you agree? Um, last time I saw it, yes. Um, it was enough to kind of keep my attention. And then, I, and sometimes I'm not sure if it's a nostalgia or is it still a good film, but. Yeah. It's Lucas of, Haas. Somewhere too. between. Yeah. Who um, was right behind me at Madonna. Lucas Haas was there? Yep. With In Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, I think it was my second second to last Madonna show on the Mad Max tour with Leonardo, of course. Oh, nice. Yeah, right. They're it's like him, Leonardo, and Tobey Maguire. They're all yeah. like I re- I recognized wow. Lucas at first because I turn around, I'm like, oh, it's Lucas Haas, and then Leonardo had his cap on, and I was like, I'm like, oh, and I'm like that makes sense. They're always together. So. You know and, who else they roll with too is uh, Henry Thomas for a little bit. Weren't oh, really? they like friends with him? They might have. I don't know. It seemed Maybe. like. Uh, next on the list is the Goonies. The Goonies never die, Robert. I'll admit I was never a fan of the Goonies, and I know no. people love the Goonies, and I was just like, eh. yeah. I maybe I was. I, this so I 
I was 15 by this point, so I was like, oh, I'm I'm older than these. these yeah. Kids. Goonies was the same for me. I was never a big Goonies fan. I, I, I do say the film holds up because it is I do enjoy it and it is like a fun adventure. But personally, it was never a movie on the same level as Back to the Future or Ghostbusters or Indiana Jones, you know? Yeah. Because it is kind of a... It does kind of get annoying a little bit. You know, like the, the kids and the characters. You yeah. don't like care for them that much. But I, I say it holds up. I would recommend it. If you haven't seen it, like watch it once. You got to watch it once at least, yeah. The next one should have been their last assignment, <laughs> but it was Police Academy 2, their first assignment, which is another one of those weird dichotomies where it's not really the first assignment. <laughs> um, they... <laughs> I guess it, I don't know. I think this, so. This had the introduction of Bobcat Goldthwait into the, the series. So that was something to be said. But. And uh, the thing is, they they put together. They have a good cast, you know. Um, and I, who, who Marion Ramsey just died. She uh, she played uh, Hooks in the film with kind of squeaky voice. And then every, and every film she has squeaky voice and she's kind of whatever. And then during one scene of it, she would like yell out something. But um, but no, this does not hold up. No, uh, agreed. Yeah, they should have just kept it with Police Academy, the first one. Um, kept, it a, kept it a classic, and exactly. Next on the list, Chevy Chase in Fletch. I've got to be honest; I don't remember ever watching this movie, Robert. So this was Chevy was he was probably doing a couple of movies a year. I felt like, and this, so this was kind of a he was playing him. I should say play, play himself. He's playing his typical character, and so it kind of felt like this was kind of tailor made for him because it could be a couple of different people. And, you know, I had a kind of comedy bit for everything. But, um, but yeah, it does not hold up for me. No. No. Fletch. Yeah. That, this, is, this was during his, like, peak, pretty much. Because after, like, nothing but trouble, he never really kind of <laughs> came back. Well, I think, was Christmas vacation after that? It was before that, I think. Was it before? Okay. I can't yeah. But anyway. I, nothing but trouble is a, is a, is a rough one. <laughs> for everybody involved. Didn't Dan Aykroyd direct that? Uh, I don't know if he did. Are you going to look it right up, look it up right now? So yeah, I think um, it's one of those that should work on paper. Yeah, exactly. It just does not on screen. It was yeah, it was directed by Dan Aykroyd. I think that was like the only film he directed, maybe. But yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, next on the list, does it still hold up? Is 007's A View to Kill. And we have a special <laughs> set jetter. You you were on the set, Robert. I went to a lot. Some of the San Francisco locations I went to. Um, cool. But uh, so yeah, so this was not my first James Bond I saw in the theater. But this is the one. Uh, you know, fifteen year old like oh, I thought it was kind of a fun, and I knew there was goofy moments, uh, for sure. Um, but but yeah, so this is one of my my favorites. Still, I still have a soft spot for for this. Yeah, this has uh, Max Zorn. This is Christopher Walken yes. as Max Zorn. <laughs> this is my favorite Bond movie of the 80s, I think. It's a great film. I'm going to show a, a, a few shots here for the, the viewers, um, as well for um, people that are interested in seeing this uh, other locations as well. Please visit set-jetter.com. Robert Patterson, you are a national treasure for the work you do. <laughs> this is a, a View to a Kill, 1985. Roger Moore if I'm not mistaken, is your favorite James Bond. Am I right? 
he's the one I kind of grew up with, so I'd say yes for the most part, and then nostalgia kind of point of view. Because it was like the first you've seen. I see my yeah. favorite's Pierce Brosnan, and most likely uh, because I was a teenager when I saw the yeah. Goldeneye. Um, loved it ever since, and that was the first Bond movie I've seen. Uh, who who's the one after before Pierce? Uh, Timothy Dalton. I wonder if Timothy Dalton's anybody's favorite. I'm sure it is. Yeah, Whoever's or George Lazenby, the guy that did one in the <laughs> '60s and then went sailing and then came back and he had no more career. And that was it. That happens. This is uh, Fisherman's Wharf, San Francisco. This is a cool spot to visit. And uh, it's a great location right here. Look how much it's changed. Yeah, it's funny. Some things change a lot. Some things don't, especially in these big cities. So I did my best to kind of match up uh, what, what's left. It's a great job. Thanks. Were you? Did you do the fog when you were on this trip, this leg? I did pieces of the fog, I think. So, yeah, usually I go all the way up and try to do the fog and come back down. So I'm going to guess you did Invasion of the Body Snatchers, too. Of course, of course. You got Classic. to. Classic. Yep. Uh, another shot here is this is when Lee and Bond walk up on the dock. Most of the buildings are the same, as mm-hmm. uh, Robert has noted here, which is cool. The grotto. The boats This guy looks like he's crying in the background. He's <laughs> really working. Uh, you do what you can as an extra to get noticed. Whatever it takes. We're talking about him 40 years later, so he's doing something <laughs> right. Uh, this is a great shot. Um, City San Hall. Francisco City Hall, used in many films, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Top men. Foul play. Foul play. You know what's interesting? San Francisco City Hall is one of the most iconic architectural designs in the United States. It's amazing. It's, it's like something out of Rome. It's beautiful. It is. Nice. It's it's worthy of being like a state capital. Like it's that nice. It does look. It well it looks like one. So. Yeah, this is uh, this is the scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You mentioned Raiders Inside. when they come yep. out. Yep. Yeah, very cool. Yep. This is oh, also. Right there. Yep. These are the here steps. it is. Yep. Top men. Top men. This is a good film. I say it still holds up, Robert. Are you? Uh, uh, it does. Grace Jones, I mean, I just, and actually Dolph Lundgren has a bit part. He does, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. he's like a henchman. And so this this house, uh, uh, horror fans would recognize uh, for a couple films, but Phantasm, it was the house in the original Phantasm. Oh, with the scary old guy. Yeah, and Deadly Blessings. Uh, cool. Well. It's a beautiful so it's, house. Yeah. It so looks think, pretty. Yeah, this is down in Oakland, California. Not too far from the airplane museum uh, where they have the Raiders of the Lost Ark plane. Oh, sweet. So you you did that on this trip as well? I did. Yep. I recommend checking that out. So. Well, that sounds really cool. This is the uh, this is the same house, right? Yep. Yep. And I don't know. I just walked up to it. I don't know if you had a... <laughs> you just... This is yeah, cool. Just... <laughs> oh, wow. But... Yeah, they really, they really kept it pretty similar yeah i think they made a couple of changes but uh, and i just picture picture of the inside to show the how different the inside is from the actual what they created as a set per usual for hollywood of course you did a great job with these thank you again i think i asked this before but you have pictures of your phone on these or do you do a lot from just memory um i used to kind of print stuff out and now i try to bring on my phone and so um some i i do for memory only but um, but if I want to kind of get specific shots, then 
There's that fancy computer that I had include. <laughs> oh, I remember these. <laughs> these were great. The um, the locations in this film, I th- I thought were great. Excellent. Like San Francisco was a good, refreshing choice to do the backdrop for a Bond movie. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. And I think I might have one more non-City Hall one, if I remember right. So kind of the bridge that ends up crushing a car. I don't think I got the exact shot, but this one here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember this. Did the best I could there. Great job. Next on our list is um, number ten, a National Lampoon's European Vacation. Is this the one where they have the? I mean, I've seen it, but is it the one where the grandmother dies and they like? No, that's the first one. It is okay. Yeah. So this one, they they win pig on a poke game show and they go. When a European trip and it's uh, Stonehenge, they knock down Stonehenge. Yeah, they. It doesn't every, hold up. There's a couple lines that you might say. Uh, oh, uh, what's his name from Cobra Kai? Is in it? Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, William uh, Zabka. I. Do. He's <laughs> he the boyfriend. Right? Yeah, and I still actually I did tell him one of the times I met him. I said, you know, sometimes I still say I'll see a hot dog. It's like God, I miss Jack. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a funny line. So it has some good, funny moments, but obviously people aren't like, yeah, let's put on European vacation. But especially after Christmas vacation, you know, that that's even better, more than the original. That's the one that people yeah. watch on an annual basis. I mean, even the font for the cover is iconic. You're like, that's Christmas vacation. <laughs> you just it's it's a rite of passage. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think it holds up. I, I did remember watching European vacation maybe in the last two years. And uh, yeah, it has some funny lines, but it was really just, it's kind of ridiculous. It's cash in. It's it, totally, 100%. Um, those are the top 10 uh, highest grossing films of the year. Some honorable, uh, honorable, some honorable, uh, honorable top 30 mentions are The Breakfast Club, John Hughes' uh, 1980s Jewel in the Crown. And it this holds might, up. I, I think it, and it probably holds up more for nostalgia than. Uh, an actual film that has continued over these years. So I think it has some good stereotypes uh, throughout, but I don't know if you, if you grew up in the eighties, yeah, it works for you. It does. It does hold nostalgia, have nostalgia and it is a, I mean the music and everything. It's uh it's such an enjoyable film. I didn't see breakfast club cause I, I was four when that came out. So I didn't see it like yeah. theatrically, but I remember I was in, um, I think like junior high and somebody's like, you haven't seen the breakfast club. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're going to watch it. And I watched it not thinking I would even like it. I'm like, eh. and I loved it. And I thought it was such a cool movie and I, I own it and everything. I think it's a, I think it's a great film. Well, this is kind of the height of John Hughes and there's Shermer high school. Shermer high school. I, uh, I went to this page recently. Was this a recent? Yeah, I think, uh, February, February 15th. Yeah. So, okay. Cause this is cool. Um, how you can see uh, some of the stuff looks the same. Obviously, the structural um, yeah. architecture that hasn't changed. This yeah. is Shermer High School in Illinois? Supposedly, yep. And this is one of those. I didn't go with any screenshots, but I know the, the film well enough that... You were able to just rock it. You, you knew the shots that they had, so... Where was this at that you met Anthony Michael Hall? Uh, that was down in Texas, I think. Texas Frightmare. Oh, cool. Before he became Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. 
I want to get this kind of car, this old Buick <laughs> with the flat back, and just rock it. Ten miles per gallon. <laughs> but it was probably a Sherman smooth ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's in De Plain, Illinois. Uh, Breakfast Club still holds up. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. What do you remember? I remember the Alamo. Yeah! <laughs> uh, so this does still hold up for me, and it could be another if you grew up in the 80s. Uh, but it has enough clicking along. and Almost in an airplane, if they give you enough jokes, enough of them will hit uh, to kind of keep you going. Oh, yeah. Large Marge. <laughs> I, I love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It still holds up. I actually saw this at the um, Hollywood Forever Cemetery about three, four years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, Paul Rubin came out and spoke before, and they introduced him as, we have somebody to talk to you. He was one of the writers on <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and everyone's like, okay. Uh, uh, and he was also the star, Paul Rubin. You were like, what? <laughs> what? And he came out. It was so cool. Did people go crazy? People went nuts. It was great. Yeah. I still don't know how they're able to legally do that because you can bring alcohol, open container alcohol, and drink around graves and watch movies. I don't know how L.A. ever let that pass, but it's a great um, – if you ever come to L.A. sometime in the summer, we should go to the, one of those once it's safe. It's a, it's a really cool way to watch a movie. Well, another weird thing about L.A. that people don't realize is like for the Hollywood Bowl, you can also bring alcohol in and food. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know of any other venue that they're like, yeah, just bring – Bring your dessert. Bring your wine as long as it's, court, you know, like. Right. It's crazy. It's amazing with the public health stuff and you have to have, you know, certain amount of uh, containers and covers and things like yeah. that. Health codes. It's just you a think free for all. They could just make a killing for, you know, charging whatever, like most arenas do. But, but yeah. So I, I remember the first time, uh, one of the first times I went to the Hollywood Bowl and there was an intermission and everybody pulled out their desserts. I'm like, oh, is this what people, LA people do? I didn't realize. I missed the memo on that. Yeah. What happened? What's going on? I'm still trying to figure that out. Next on the list is Brewster's Millions. What is this film, Robert? I got this... some homework to do, my friend. <laughs> um, I don't, I feel like this is one of those that they won't even release on DVD anymore. Um, Oh no, it's a Richard Pryor. It is a Richard Pryor. Um and it was kind of that this is when he was kind of on his hit of uh is it John Candy is in this one too? Oh wow. Yeah. Um Oh, I've seen this one. Yeah. I feel like he had kind of a trio of films between this and the toy and something else. So this was kind of his kind of Yeah. I say, oh no, it's Richard Pryor. Not that I mean, Richard Pryor is amazing. He just he did these terrible movies in the mid '80s. Yeah, I think that's all he was given. Um, yeah, so, I, I do. So. I do remember seeing this once yeah. as a kid. It it didn't hold up. I didn't. Yeah. I never really wanted to see it again. So, but a, a typical '80s trope is to get tons of money, and then you would buy these lavish lifestyle things and so i think they kind of put that in there maybe there's a reganomics that for us to kind of aspire to, to keep oh there buying. it is yeah yeah keep that's what it was the subliminal <laughs> you know consumerism yeah. keep purchasing yeah jagged edge is on the list <laughs> not to be confused with the skating movie the cutting edge <laughs> um so i actually rewatched this not too long ago um and it uh there's pieces of it still that still did hold up for me. Um, so Glenn Close, Jeff Bridges, um, she plays an attorney, and typical, <laughs> typical '80s, the attorney falls in love with the client and 
That's a and huge breach of confidentiality. I, I feel like she almost immediately sleeps with him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, those old Hollywood ethics in the 80s. Um, and, but there was something, and there's there's a moment at the end, it kind of turns into a kind of a horror movie more. Um, so I remember there's some, there, it was, I jumped still. I And I, I obviously I had not seen that movie in a while, but something happened at the end, and I like literally physically jumped. Oh, really? So for that, I was like, well, if you got me there, you, you, you are, yeah, if you jump, because you're, yeah. you laugh at the Halloween movies because yeah. Tice's. <laughs> <laughs> They're comedies, aren't they? What? Would this hold up to somebody that hasn't seen it? Would you recommend this and put your professional reputation on the line? Ooh. I recommend a viewing for Glenn Close's performance. How about that? I like that. That's a good reason to watch it. She's a great actress. Pre damages. <laughs> Pre. <laughs> that she was, uh, of course, <laughs> getting her feet wet with Jagged Edge. Getting the feet wet, getting the beak wet. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mel Gibson's Mel Gibson's in this, right? Yeah, and Tina Turner. Yes, their their finest roles. Yeah, uh, does not hold up for me. This was probably the most out of the the original Mad Max is the most kind of commercially viable one, and had a good uh, theme song, of course. They did three of yeah, it did. They I did three, three Mad Maxes, films. right? Yep, and then Mad Max after that. Right. I, I think I've only seen the first two. Mad Max, then Road Warrior, and then Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. It does not hold up for you? No, it does not. I, it it really didn't at the time either, but it wasn't my kind of movie either. Yeah, it wasn't really your, uh, your cup of tea? Nope. Spies Like Us. This is a uh, humorous attempt. This is the humorous comedic answer to like Red Dawn. It's the height of the Cold War. And they're like, let's throw, what is it, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd? Uh, I know Dan Aykroyd. Is it Chevy Chase? I can't remember. It does not hold up for me. And you're right. We, we have, there's a lot of themes here, like bad Russians. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase. Yeah. And were, yeah, were... it doesn't hold up. And especially with the, um, I agree. They, they they do a lot of scenes where they're like, let's make the missile launch. And they're like <laughs> ready to set off nukes in the Siberian des- uh, forest. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just a goofy, like weird kind of movie. And I feel like a lot of 80s, except for Stripes, a lot of 80s Cold War military movies, comedies that is, like um, Stripes or uh, Volunteers and things like that, they, they, they do like a weird, I don't know, it's like a weird brand. It they is. don't age well. No, and I remember the year before this because I watched the trailer for Best Defense with uh, Dudley Moore and uh, Eddie Murphy. It was also kind of oh, the same defense. war, and it was like it was, it was just these kind of weird concepts uh, that were that became yeah, movies. They really hung the Cold War with war games and everything over our heads in the eighties a lot. Even Rocky Four. You know, at the end of the, the yeah. movies in the Soviet Union saying, like, we can get along. It's, uh, they, they really hung that over Hollywood, really made a point to make the Cold War, like, everywhere. Yeah. Because any, you know, communist sentiment was so high, I guess, with Reagan and everything. It does not hold up. It does not hold up. And I'm wondering if our next one is also, I can't remember Commando. Commando um, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah but I don't remember what it's about, so I'm sure it's I don't Russians. either. I don't know if I've ever seen Commando. <laughs> I know the poster more than actually. Oh, of course. Because he's kind of a, uh, 
not incognito, but uh, yeah, he's camouflaged. He's kind of, yeah, uh, with kind of the war paint on. But that's I remember the poster, and that's about it. So I'm sure he was saving somebody, um, usually a girlfriend or something, or right. But <laughs> Ray Don Chong's in it. It has uh-huh. the only thing I remember in this movie was him with a gun shooting someone, which is every Schwarzenegger <laughs> movie he's ever made. So I don't know if that's a good. If I'm a, a good person to say if this holds up, I don't remember I, watching. So it. I would say no, but obviously this is a building block, and onto all road leads to Arnold. All leads to Arnold. Yes. Teen Wolf. Michael J. Fox was in two <laughs> top thirty uh, films of 1985. Yeah. Teen Wolf with that and crazy think, dance. Teen Wolf only. Wait, actually, Teen Wolf is supposed to take place in Nebraska too. I think. Ooh. Because there's some Cornhusker things and for some reason I, I remember seeing that at the theater i'm like why do they have that but i think it's supposed to be taking place in nebraska shot in pasadena and yeah but uh but yeah so uh this one does not hold up for me <laughs> no no i i've only seen it a few times and i remember enjoying it i'd have to watch it again and i was also sh- like a kid yeah they also share some of the same locations for back to the future so like lorraine's oh, house is the house in this movie or, or something like that. I can't remember, but it, it's the same street they shot on. So speaking Maybe. of, Oh, speaking of Nebraska, I, I got a crowbar. This in nerd alert. I, uh, I have this video game and it's like, it's called civilization. It's basically like uh, risk and Sim city. You basically start with a country and control the world and dipl- diplomacy. It's like a very like in depth long game, but um, I'm the United States in this. And I stockpiled all my nukes in Omaha and Lincoln and I wanted to tell you that because I think you'd be proud that I'm basing the world's um, future in Nebraska in this game of mine. Well, I think some are here because we have Strategic Air Command. Actually, Strategic Air Command is like two miles away from where I live now. So Really? Well, yeah, because like every movie, it's always like you see the end of Terminator 3. It's like Nebraska and all these nukes go off. Apparently, you're a hotbed. <laughs> we will we'll be the first ones to go. So No way. Um, Do you have and- a, is, is your basement that you're building your home with the, all that cool stuff is that also double as a bunker are there six feet of steel separating you from the there outside world not i'm not sure how much would help but but yeah so i know i remember uh uh 9 uh, uh president bush made his press conference here they flew him in and wow. i remember i was walking out the parking lot um and he was leaving because you could see, I, I i worked in, not too far uh, from here, and I saw Air Force One leaving when he was, I think, heading back to Washington. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, Teen Wolf does not hold up. The next does film, not. and Teen Wolf Two, which will never make any list, oh. I'm sure is even worse. <laughs> they did it. Was Michael J. Fox in that? Jason Bateman. Yeah, Michael had moved on. Yeah, I would think so. From, from that, he was getting ready to do uh, Doc Hol- Hollywood. Oh, and... That's right. Remember that? Yes, and. Secret of My Success, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Uh, Bright Lights, Big City. Bright Lights, Big City. Yeah. Whatever happened to that movie? <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a movie I do still quote. There's a, It's uh, a good film. In the beginning of the movie, uh, uh, she, he's at the bar, and he, I can't remember, the bartender's like, having trouble with women? <laughs> Bright Lights, Big City. I got to find that. That's a blast from the past, which is the title of another great film. Yes. But yeah, Blast I mean, from the past. I need to rewatch Bright Lights too. Yeah, that that's that's I gotta put that on the list. That's a cool one. Uh St. Elmo's Fire. Was this this wasn't John Hughes, was it? No, but it was the Brat Pack. So Yes. I, I enjoy this movie. I 
I, I know it has its flaws, but I still say it holds up. It's a cool, fun story. Uh, it does not hold up for me, even though there's lines that I still say. You still quote it here and there? I still do. It's like, I always knew he was a Republican. <laughs> I like when you quote lines. I feel like there should be a... I feel like I need to edit the a theme song to the beginning of each show and just have lines that you've said on the air. On the air. So, it's perfect. Uh, so, yeah, St. Elmo's, uh, it, it does, obviously, it's kind of a nice uh, photography booklet of, of Georgetown um, mm. in, in D.C. And some, I don't know if they, well, I think, yeah, I think it's the, the bar, I think it's... They, they, the the real where they shot the bar was actually I think that was more a facade than something but I think the real bar might be the one that's across the street from the Exorcist house I could be wrong but ooh okay that's based on maybe not I can't remember no that's cool yeah um, Jewel of the Nile we just spoke about the <laughs> prequel to this um, this is Michael Douglas's he had to do more sexy roles ripping They're off Indiana Jones again. yeah <laughs> and Michael Douglas. As Michael Douglas. That's all it is. He always yeah. plays Michael Douglas. Yeah. He's also uh, like <laughs> refined. The only thing I remember about this one is they kind of had a shoehorn in Danny DeVito, you know, because like they always have a good original, like we have to bring everybody back. And then um, uh, same thing like they did with uh, Lethal Weapon with uh, what's his name? It's like in the back of the poster. I'm not Joe remember. Pesci? Yeah, Joe Pesci. They're yeah, like, there's, there's no reason for him to be in every movie after it, but he's no. always there. Yeah, let's just crowbar him in there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it does. It doesn't hold up for me. Jewel of the Nile. I would watch Romance in the Stone again, just for comic value, because it's yeah. it's kind of shameless. But I, I remember watching Jewel of the Nile, and it's it it wasn't very. I I didn't particularly care for it. Desperately seeking Susan. So you know I'm a Madonna fan, and usually I actually I've, I avoid Madonna movies, and I might watch a new one every couple of years. So, so she I was saw, in this. I've never seen this. Yeah, so she was, and actually this movie I feel like it's gotten a little bit better with age. I didn't really like it at the time, and I wasn't a huge Madonna fan at the time. But, um, but yeah, so I kind of like I like this better now than I did when I was younger. You can appreciate it more because of your fandom. Yeah. And Madonna's best acting is when she's playing Madonna. Madonna. So, yeah, so it kind of worked out. How does her performance in Desperately Seeking Susan hold up to her performance in A League of Their Own? Uh, League of Their Own is probably better. Do you think so? But, but probably the same thing. You know, they, uh, she, she knew exactly what to do for both those roles, you know? And so it was more inherent in her, and I think that's easier for her to do. So, that makes sense. Yeah. She's but. she's she's true Madonna too, and uh, maybe a little glossy and Dick Tracy as Breathless Mahoney. Yeah, that's he's true. a singer, that's you know. Yeah, I've seen that once actually. I only watched it once, but um, and I oh, actually saw it for the first time about five years ago. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, she. I I enjoy the film she's in for the most part. She's in James Bond. Uh, Die another <laughs> day. Yes. She plays a fencing instructor. Remember <laughs> still, that? Still, still my favorite review. Um, when they talked about Madonna, Madonna showing up on screen, I used to have it memorized, but more or less, Madonna showing up on screen is the equivalent of you know, twenty broken, clattering dishes on the floor. <laughs> what? That's so mean. <laughs> she wasn't horrible in that. No, but she was. We we talked about the Sean Connery effect. She was Madonna, and she's like, yeah. she showed up on screen. It's like, oh, it's everybody's like, it's Madonna. Um, it, obviously, it wasn't her fencing, but <laughs> she took off the mask. It was Madonna. Yeah, there was no reason for her to be in that. 
it, yeah. it, it didn't add anything, but that is funny. Um, and finally, oh, we got two more. Fright Night. Fright Night. So Fright I haven't Night, seen this in a long time. Yeah, it still kind of does. Um, and I think it, it, it works because there's there's some extra layers to the film. So it's not just a kind of typical horror film. So, um, but yeah, Roddy McDowell uh, is great in it. And Amanda Bierce is in it. Oh, yeah. Stephen Jeffries. Chris Sarandon. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it, it's solid cast, a good script. And so it kind of still holds up. Some of the effects are kind of beginning to be iffy, but you know, that's par for the course for, for mid eighties. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you expect. That's what, you know, in some ways you come to appreciate. I'll have to watch this again. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. And they I haven't seen the it. sequel. Yeah. So Fright Night 2 was a little bit harder for me to, I think I did locations for both. Um, and then um, Fright Night was remade. Uh, with Anton Yelkin uh, as well. The 2011 one? Yeah. Is that what was, was that any good? No, I didn't really like I I didn't quite know what they were doing with it. Um and it it's one of those things. You you look at it and you're like, "Oh, you can't go wrong with Anton Yelkin." And um the the premise and took place in Vegas and so it kind of made more sense that, you know, this could happen there where vampires could live, but it just just ended up being didn't work. But, it didn't work. It didn't it yeah. didn't really do it for you. Yeah. So uh, I've not updated my page, obviously, with Fright Nights yet, but I have. We're just getting ready for the final entry on this list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th, part four, a new beginning. We've never five, spoken about this. Five. 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 A new yeah. beginning. We've never spoken about this great film. And you said you just rewatched it? Uh, re- like in the past four or five months. Four or five months. So. Yeah. So this was my second Friday the 13th to see in, in the theater. And so kinda cool. I, just, I was just so excited. I was, it was the height of kind of my Friday the 13th fandom. Yeah. And so it was like, they're ringing Jay. You know, we didn't know if Jason was going to be back or they kind of no. made it kind of, kind of confusing. So I still, one, I love the look of this film. It's kind of like a gritty. They have, we talked about Friday the 13th rain. This is, this, this might almost best part four for the, the rain and lightning. Yeah, and it, it it has I I agree it has some of the best rain and lightning. Um, the way it's shot is cool. It's still that classic '80s Friday the Thirteenth, and the actor I forget his name that plays the um, one of the cops in the beginning. He was <laughs> the guy in the stand. He was one of the cops in, or one of the bad guys was in he? the stand. Yeah, he uh, was like um, the guy that's with Mel Farrow. Like that they shoot up the store. Remember? Oh, gotcha. His friend is the cop that. in this. And he was like the dad in Varsity Blues of the one quarterback. Like he's one of those kind of character actors from Texas or something. But um, yeah, I like all the Friday Thirteens. This one does not hold up in the sense that it's there's no Jason's not in it really. No, but it is kind of for me. It it holds up in like I'm like I'll watch it, and I still kind of like to kind of see it through. Um, they have of some course. good locations. Uh, the uh, Franklin Canyon Reservoir which they shot at many, many things. But yeah, you can see the gas station here has been used in many things. It was just used in uh, Ryan Murphy's, one of his, something, a, a couple, American Horror Stories a couple seasons ago. Um, but it's been, oh. this, this gas station's been used in quite a few things, this cafe. So it looks about the same. It looks about the same. And this yeah. guy's great because he's an 80s cokehead with a mustache, <laughs> with a Camaro. And they're just, he just 
The girls love that. Everybody was doing coke in this film. It really oh. makes me wonder what my parents were thinking of like, what are we watching? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, what is this? This is probably has the most drug, probably most uh, nudity uh, for definitely any of the Friday 13th. And it was just kind of all flowing all over the place. Like, this is just normal behavior. So, hands down. <laughs> and, and there's also that I love the scene where that like dirty homeless guy shows up and it's just like, need a good deal I'm like we can clean up the shit and then i'll serve you a meal thank you ma'am i'm like what kind of exchange was that no and then her follow-up is like that's one fucking ugly man i was like jesus just let <laughs> what is this what um and who are, i don't know who wrote the script but can you imagine like oh this is writing this <laughs> yeah what is this and then she says this <laughs> but this but there's a barbecue at midnight though so <laughs> memorable characters for sure so there's it's Lana. showtime Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think you actually got to get in here. This is cool. Now, these are kind of through the windows, so they weren't open the day that I that I went and have not revisited. So the the bad thing is, like, if you go to these places when they're open, it's hard to take pictures because you don't want to be bothering people eating and all that stuff. But have you been to these places when they're open and they're are they kind of packed? Yeah, and it's just kind of it begins awkward. You know, you don't want to be that weirdo taking pictures. No. What are you doing? Is so. it? Places like this, I know there's a few other ones on Friday the 13th that you've, you've shot. Are they kind of like hipster places? Like what kind of are they? I don't see these areas as like the truck drivers. This is, no, this is like a motorcycle place. Oh, it is? Uh, yeah. So there's a whole other area. And it was used in Entourage and uh, The Bionic Woman. Was that uh, an Entourage? The sweetest thing. Yep. So huh. th- th- this place is used quite. It's out in Calabasas. But um Oh, that's cool. Obviously, this is in Calabasas? It's a good destination to go to, yep. Oh, I'm close to there. I'll have to check this yeah. out. That's pretty cool. I think it's called the Stone Rock Bar or something. So, And there's Franklin. Yeah, so I think... I haven't been there in a while, but I think... And it was untouched by the fire. The fires got near there. So I was a little oh. worried, but I think they, uh, they didn't get as far as that. So, so Franklin... Oh, came... I've passed here. I know where yeah. this is. Yep, so this was used... Many film actually this was used in part four in American Horror Story 1984. Yeah. Uh, so this was the trailer park. I've uh, passed I've driven through here. This is cool. What what was this was in part four? Uh yeah, so they used uh some of the driving scenes were around uh this area, and then uh one of the lakes for a couple of scenes that they used the kind of reservoir uh for the lake. That's cool. Then the the van in here, that guy, the actor like became something didn't he uh miguel nunez yep yeah like he did a lot of work yeah and then yeah yeah, he became was he on west wing i think and yeah Yeah, like he he was pretty significant i was gonna say legitimate but pretty still legitimate acting yeah yeah definitely yeah so i like location shots yeah the trees are the same the rock is the same and you can also go to the outhouse there if you want to (laughs) can you really yeah not the same functioning outhouse though it is a functioning. Oh, that's a great shot. <laughs> I think I had my dad take that picture. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You always know somebody's with me. If I, uh, and I, I up to this, I actually met a, several of the cast members, but this is Melanie Kinnaman, the final girl. So I need to do an update on this page. Oh, that's so cool. That's a great shirt, by the way. Yeah, my part three shirt. Love do it. you still have that? I do. Of course. Oh, you got to rock it. I, of course, so I always wear appropriate shirts for photos if I can. These are so cool. Are the these press- were these yours? 
yeah, so I, I used to buy press kits, and um, oh, wow. I still have this. So yeah, I had her. I had a couple of the cast to sign the the press kit photos. Oh my gosh, that's cool. Do you have these like frames or something? No, you can see I didn't really take too too good of care of them. No, but, they look a little yeah. scuffed up. Yeah, but I still have them. That's really cool. That's a that's a real, you know, special thing to have for a fan, and that those are originals right there. Yep. Wow. Are those are those pricey to get? Uh, at the time, no. I think you could just kind of get them for like twenty bucks. Um, now, if you wow, they're probably more expensive. Or this wouldn't be as expensive because it's not that good of quality. But so, um, yeah. Speaking of, I'm just starting now to move. The basement's getting situated, so I've been kind of seeing finding stuff in storage too, and so I might be pulling some stuff out. To Ooh, you got to archive it. Yeah, but I I forget how much I have. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I had this, and so it's kind of it's fun revisiting. Uh, it, it's got to be a lot of fun. I'm just waiting for the Robert Patterson Set Jetter Motion Picture and Archival Institute Museum to open up <laughs> with $5 mission, 250 for the kids. I have lots of props that are ready to go. My my AV closet um, is all set up, so I, all my Blu-rays and DVDs and Laserdiscs are are officially out of storage. So you, what do you mean? You, you set up a closet like to, like a, a library for them? Yeah, I actually I have a... I, when I built downstairs, I created a closet that it's only DVDs, Blu-rays, and that it had, that there's nothing sitting out. So uh, whatever you want is in this closet. All right. And you got that that big, huge TV. You can just fire it up now. Yeah, I have. I only turned it on twice because it's still being worked on. But yeah, 77-inch OLED. So everything is going to look oh, nice. So good. And you the, saw the, the Jurassic Park was the maiden film that you christened it with yeah i can open the closet i'm like what 4ks do i have and they're like well can't go wrong with this so and especially uh what i like about oled is it's dark dark so the the pixels don't aren't grayish when it goes black it goes black black so um i thought well let's work some of the night scenes of jurassic park to see how it really looks and that's really cool too that makes a difference too especially with a lot of like horror movies and stuff like that yeah I'm excited. And I just, this, last night I painted, so you probably saw I put the Bates house in my window well, so it looks like you're staying at Bates yes. Motel. And so I painted everything around it black, so it kind of kind of blends in. And so, Yeah, that looked amazing, by the way. Just wait. More is, com- more is coming. Uh-oh. More is coming <laughs> with that or something else? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of fixed it up a little bit. And of course, I have the Bates Ooh. Motel shower and all that stuff. So. Are you going to keep it kind of the way it is? The shower or what? yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I, my my previous bathroom was all Bates Motel, and like Bates Motel cup and ashtray and and whatever. So I don't. I love it. I don't know if I need to overdo it, but so what I'm looking for now and I cannot find it is uh, uh. So I've, so during Psycho, you know, after the shower, um, the camera tilts back out and goes into the room and. They show the wrapped up newspaper with all the cash on the the nightstand and then goes up to the window. And um, I was like, yeah. I need to find like a Los Angeles 1960 newspaper so I can wrap that up on my bedstand. But no luck yet. So I'm I'll, I'll see if I can find you one. Yeah. <laughs> just just look around you. behind you to see if you have something. To... I have a 1930s calendar that's an yeah. L.A. one somewhere. It was from a car dealership. I forget where I picked it up. Somebody was selling it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is from the 30s. So wow. I have too much stuff to put out, so I'll, I'll have to try to. You have to, you have to uh, discriminate which one to put out. Discriminate or have that's some exciting though. Rotating props. Yeah, I'm excited to see the archives. Yes, it's, me, it's me a too. piece of history. 
What's that? Me too. It's going to be great. I have whole crates for just movies. Like I have a whole crate that just says Friday the 13th and a whole crate that's just oh. Nightmare on Elm Street. And then I have like seven crates that are Halloween. What's in the crates that are all Halloween? Just randoms? Uh, like props. everything and every anything? Yeah, props, books, and everything you can imagine from Halloween. Press kits, things like that? I don't know if I have Halloween press kits, but yeah. So I have, I have some cool stuff, but I just I forget that I have it. And and I might sell some stuff just to kind of thin it out a little bit. But Yeah, let me know when you put those online. Where, yeah. where, do, you, where do you sell them on, eBay? I'll sell them on eBay. So, And I think I told you I'm gonna, I need to get rid of posters. I have hundreds and hundreds of posters that I don't it's share. amazing. I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything you want to throw out, let me know. I will, I will right. send you postage. We'll do. I'm all about it. I think that's going to be our show for today, unless you have anything else you want to uh, get into, Robert. No, I'm good. I'm just biting my nails. Can't wait for the next week's. Uh, it's not going to be next week for Clarice. I think it doesn't come back until April. So what am I going to do? What are you going to do? Where are we going to fill this <laughs> void? By the way, what do you think of Paramount Plus? Have you uh, have you really like poked around? I poked around a little bit. So obviously they have a little bit more movies than CBS All Access did. Um, and there was a couple... Um, and maybe that's where I saw the best defense trailer because I'm like, what was yeah. this movie? It was just Eddie Murphy pre right yeah. before uh, Beverly Hills Club and and Dudley Moore, and I was like, what is this? But they do have. Do you still have it or no? Yeah, yeah. Do you do? Okay, so Citizen Ruth is on there. So if you have not seen Citizen Ruth, oh with Laurie no, Dern, I have it. It's my favorite Alexander Payne film, shot in Omaha. Oh, um, cool. Uh, Susie Kurtz is in it. Mary Kay plays. Uh, uh, some cameos, uh, Burt Reynolds and Tippi Hedren. Citizen uh, Ruth. Citizen Ruth. So Here it's it uh, probably my favorite Alexander Payne film. And it, that one, that, that does still hold up for me. So, Oh, cool. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I like it. You know, like you said, it has better selection of films than um, CBS All Access, which is cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, I think I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah, I, I, I went ahead and did it because I'm like, well, let's see what's going to happen with it. Oh, uh, The Real World, Homecoming is on CBS LX, or Paramount+. Plus. Oh, really? So I don't know if you're the Real World fan. So I was... Uh, I've watched a few of the seasons. Yeah, it was yeah. always fun. So it's season one, and that's probably the one I remember the most. Um, and it kind of trailed off after that. But I was 20-something at the time. So we, we'd, we'd watch it week after week. And so it's interesting because now these people are all my age. Uh, kind of getting back together and so like one oh, i check cool you know do they weigh as much as me do they how much <laughs> as they age yeah <laughs> what do they do yeah um i enjoyed that show and it was it was like it really started it all with the whole reality tv thing back in the day yeah although i like to say madonna probably started it with truth or dare but oh good call she is an innovator it was i remember she was criticized not criticized well i think warren Baker criticized her on camera saying does everything have to be on camera? Yes, and it does. I think her response is like, "What?" Or he said, well, "Why would you exist if it's not on camera?" Like, and <laughs> good point. What a curmudgeon. It was kind of now we just take it for granted, but it was weird at the time for people to say Madonna is, she's at the the throat doctor and she's making these weird noises during it, and like, is it is everything up for grabs? And now, I mean, fifty percent of our TV is. <laughs> celebrities going to the doctors and at least know. yeah oh yeah that's so funny <laughs> oh uh, baby he should have stuck with dick tracy and stopped uh, criticizing madonna he got annette benning so she's a great actress yeah no she is great uh so yeah what's on your docket uh not too much this weekend just gonna be uh 
putting together this show. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to come up with a new theme song for the beginning, like a new opening. Mm-hmm. Maybe do some clips of the past. Uh, are you talking about movies or TV? Either. And I, obviously, you're going to be uh, running for office. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's it's um, representative at large for Tarzana Neighborhood Council. It's, it's It sounds bigger than it is. It's an advisory position. It's My wife did it for a few years. It It's not a paid position. I basically do like a Zoom meeting once a month. But um, it's a cool way to get into, involved in your neighborhood. And like you talk with the city hall of Los Angeles and stuff like that, so it's a cool, like, uh, thing to do. But, Does it somehow get me into Heather Langenkamp's house from New Nightmare? Absolutely. We're gonna okay. have to. All it's right. gonna be a new ordinance. The only reason I'm doing it is to get Heather Langenkamp's home available to you. Yeah, not her real house, but her her movie well, house. I feel like you I deserve do. it at this point. After all the work you've done, you're entitled I, to it. I want them to Airbnb it just so I could. Oh. They're missing out on, on that. That's what they need to do is Airbnb the owners, some of these places. They could charge an arm and a leg. Yeah. I mean, I would totally, I'd, I'd wear my Heather Langenkamp nightgown. I'd, it'd be all that. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't do that more. I mean, I know Airbnb in a lot of those places, the people aren't just ready to open up their homes. But yeah. if you had somebody like that that did acquire a few of those properties, I mean, people would pay like $1,000 to stay in the home alone house during the holidays or something. Sure. Like somebody would do that. Absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to think, cause there's a couple that do take advantage of it. Um, is it Workaholic? Oh. Not Workaholics. Now I can't remember what it's called. Um, the Burbs? It is Workaholics, yeah. So that was a Comedy Central TV show. So uh, you can rent out the kind of houses behind there, So um, which I did um, oh. one time. So they kind of, they have embraced uh, letting people you know stay at the Workaholics house for Airbnb. So there's people that are doing that. Yeah, I feel like there's a good market for it. They can do that. They were excited that, because uh, <laughs> I said, hey, I have this website. So they actually, I remember they were kind of excited that I was coming for somebody that not only appreciated that it was a location, but I was like, I was there to document uh, everything. And they took me and like, oh, they shot the pool scene here. And this was used in that. So they, they were excited for me to be there. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. I can see that, though. You want to, somebody's appreciating, you know, what it is and the work that it was in. Like the, the, to document that. Yeah. So before, when that, sh- I had not seen the series. I remember somebody emailed me and said, "Can you find this house?" And I'm like, "All right." And I just, I, <laughs> I looked at a couple clips and I did find it was in Van Nuys, and oh, wow. uh, I was like, uh, "So I remember I found it." And then I, sh- I showed my blog with them because I think it was way back in like 2011 or something like that. Um, I said, "Somebody asked me to, find, you know, before all these locations were known." And so I'm like, "I, I published the ha- your address, FYI." Hope hope that it was okay. But they do say they get 600 visitors a day. Yeah. Filing suit. (laughs) Come on down. No. Um, That's awesome, though. But that's going to be our show. Thank you so much for the Set Jetter, Robert Patterson. Visit uh, Robert's work at set-jetter.com and follow him on Instagram at set underscore jetter. I'm Matthew Clark. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll set Jetter Saturdays, and we will see you soon. Good night, everybody. Good night.